Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is just kind of sh- nerd out, I guess, about marketing and communications and maybe uh, share some similar pains of what that is nowadays. So I'm excited to have Amy Rosenberg, who's the founder and president of Veracity, a, a modern PR firm. I think a hybrid PR firm is how you describe it. So, uh, hey, Amy, welcome Hi, to the thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, well, let's talk about Veracity first. Can you just give us a little overview of your your firm, how long you've been at it, and some of the things your team does? Yeah. So Veracity has been around for like 14 years or something like that. I'd have to look at my LinkedIn wow. to know how long. Um, and we work with you know a mix of contractors and uh, full-time staff. And that's kind of interesting right now with the staffing landscape. Mm-hmm. So we've been poised to meet that. So there's a whole discussion there. Um, but the clients we work with are typically B2B. And we do a lot of real estate, though. We do some education and a lot of manufacturing work. And so when if the client is not B2B, it's what I would call a high stakes decision, such as where to send your kid to school or mm. what company to go with for a real estate purchase, mm. that kind of thing. Finances. Anyway, so we're, we're kind of niche in that way. And we would really like to work with Pacific Northwest companies. We're both, my husband and I actually run our firm and we are both from Portland. So we have a strong connection to Oregon-based companies. And we, you know, in terms of what uh, hybrid or modern means, it's kind of all the same, really. Mm. It's like, we're just not doing only press releases, first of all. And we're trying to kind of merge all of the communication methods together. And so, for instance, I talk about the blog post being the new press release. And there's so many reasons for this beyond just SEO, search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we add in social. And then, of course, we do do our traditional PR. You know, we're going to try and get our clients in print. But also, we're going to try and leverage that digital component so that we're getting another kind of giving our clients another deliverable, which is search engine optimization and content development. Well, thanks for overview of that. I think it's segues in something I just wanted to have a discussion around is like, what does even PR mean now? (laughs) Um, You know, and one of the things I know you have your own podcast and I am just fascinated. This is by specifically look at B2B companies and this notion has been around for a while and people have different, um, opinions on it as becoming your own kind of media company, right? Not relying necessarily on to get, you know, quote unquote, traditional press, but really making yourself the center of that. So 
you know, what, what's, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say with that. So that is where I'm going with the blog post is the new press release approach. And so, but there's almost too much to say, because if we take, take a step back and talk about what public relations actually means. It means relating to your publics. And I'm talking in this really direct way because literally yesterday I was speaking to PSU students about what PR is. And mm-hmm. they they it was a new marketing 101 class that I came okay. in. And it really hasn't changed. We're, we are essentially trying to communicate with our publics. And the publics could be, most importantly, our staff, sometimes shareholders, sometimes community in terms of partners and charities. And then I use, I think of the press as a conduit to all of those publics. So where people get really tripped up, even people in marketing that might you'd think would know, they consider the press actually an audience or a public, and it's not. The press is our means to our real audience, who we really care about, which is our staff or moving the needle in sales and whatnot. And so now the question is, what is the press? Right. Yeah. So the press and, and everybody gets confused with this. You know, we talk about PR and I use press that word. It means everything. It means I'm not pitching radio right now. Like I'm, I'm just not really. I mean, maybe I will. It depends on what what's going on. But we're pitching podcasts instead, mm-hmm. and there's actually an SEO reason for that. And and all the press is also online. Ideally, for our digital inclined clients, we want all of our coverage. You know, we might pitch a newspaper, but. If there is not an online component to that newspaper, we're probably going to take it off our press list. And so it is everywhere. But I love this new approach of literally owning whatever you do. So that's, you know, there's earned versus owned media. So earned is like, I'm going to go out and hustle. Like I'm going to work for some press coverage. Okay, well, we've got that. We've been doing that for ever. Now, why would I just want you to just have all what I call the goods, like all of my hard work that I've created for you, meaning press person, why would I just give it to you? I mean, I think that maybe my website is more valuable than yours. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just talking from the client perspective. Yeah, Yeah. So I might be more inclined to save my hard research and my hard work of my team and put it on my website first. And then I will have my PR agent pitch it out to the press to see if they want to kind of, you know, cover it or or do something else with it. But I own that content forever. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's a lot I could say about kind of that and like where press releases fit in, but I'll just pause. Yeah, no, Amy, you're preaching. I I like it because it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I want to break down a couple of things. Let's, let's, let's take, I am you know, so focused on podcasts right now and they're growing and they're evolving, like videos becoming more important. I don't do video yet. Uh, but how do you advise to step back? There is a little bit of, he- I'm still finding some hesitation about podcasts for senior leaders that may be like bigger quote unquote, mid-sized companies, because some of them want them to be pretty controlled still, which Drives me a little crazy as someone who hosts a podcast, but I totally understand as someone that's a professional in that. So how do you advise your clients if you're getting them on, maybe it's a very specific podcast to the industry, preparing for those? Because as you know, as a host of a podcast, 
you want that to be as conversational as loose as possible. But on the other side, you are representing some clients and you want to know a little bit of the flow and the structure of it. So how do you, there's maybe a tension there and maybe not. I want to get your thoughts on that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of getting clients on podcasts, I mean, we just have to think about it and and present it as it's a different medium. So for example, when we, we've done a lot of TV work. And so when clients are doing live TV, that's pretty, that's even more stressful, right? Because it's live. But we just say, it's fun. We're having fun. And it's not a big deal. And live TV is fun. And it totally, and it's like how we approach it, how we show up at the live shot and our mood and our kind of level of energy. You know, we bring snacks and coffee and kind of talk. And it's like a party early in the morning and it's fun and every, and we just have to be relaxed. And so it's just a little different than maybe a a print interview such Mm -hmm. as a B2B. So I don't think this is anything new with PR people in terms of having issues with clients who don't want to do, or they're kind of nervous. A lot of Mm -hmm. our clients are very humble and very Mm -hmm. sometimes nervous because and they are not the most, not everybody is the most secure person in the world too. And so, and that's fine because we're humble. And so we, our job as PR people is to hold our client's hand and we really present podcasts as actually um, an opportunity to practice. Mm. That's the main thing is oftentimes they don't see the value too, and we can talk about that, but it's yeah. an opportunity to practice either our talking points or just various conversations. And we just have to present that it is in a different different way that we would do, you know, a business Portland Business Journal interview. Right. Yeah. But it's and it's fun and light and conversational. And and at the end of the day, it's networking. That's really why to yeah. do some podcasts. Interesting. So I love that take on it. It's practice a little bit. I love that you embrace that versus the other way of maybe let's let's not do anything until we do like a more no offense to the Portland Business Journal. I uh, uh, love the Portland Business Journal. I read it every day, but a little more buttoned up and make a little more uh, you know uh, established kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, and I think it's our, how we approach it. It's like, oh well, it's just recorded. You know, it's a loosey goosey. It's just a conversation. I think it's more our attitude than. Um, than mm-hmm. anything else. And so I, I do think it depends on what podcast it is because yeah, yeah, the media yeah. has podcasts too. Exactly. And if it's business related for the most part, uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be as freewheeling where you're gonna get, hopefully not a, uh, get into some off cover stuff or anything like that. I also, you know, maybe to, it depends on the market as well and the, uh, the type of, type of industry, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And obviously if there's anything that you're worried about, uh, you know, you might not put a loose cannon on a podcast. (laughs) Those are the most fun though. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or depending on the industry. Yeah. I think, you know, some, some industries are regulated and so we'll have to kind of think about things and message them a little bit, but for the most part, our clients are you know, pretty comfortable just, you know, getting on, on the, a call, look, yeah. looking at things like networking. Yeah. The networking piece you mentioned is interesting way to approach kind of podcasts and new, quote unquote, new media in, in general. So tell me more about, I mean, that absolutely makes sense. 
to, mm-hmm. to, to me. So um, can you just maybe talk about yeah. that a bit too? Well, so I had someone on my podcast, PR Talk, um, who kind of revolutionized this for me, mm. which is, uh, I think her name is Jess Rhodes. I'll, maybe okay. we can share that, Jessica yeah. Rhodes. She she does podcast booking only. Mm. And uh, the main reason to do it is she thinks is sales. So it's not really about marketing. I mean, everything, is, it all kind of flows together. Sure. But often people are saying, you know, I've had some, the main problem with my, with booking podcasts is, Clients will say, well, what's the point? They don't, we don't listen to podcasts. I don't know the point. It's like, okay, I don't know. A, it's SEO because there's a yeah. whole thing with that because yeah. there's, it's online. B, it's practicing. But then the C, probably the most important part is it's networking. So you tell us who you want to talk to or who do you want to sell to? Who are those decision makers? And maybe they are leading a podcast. For a lot of our clients, if they're B2B, you know, we do a lot of trade show marketing for them. Mm. So they're already attending a trade show. Our job is to come in and maximize the trade show, which is leverage it in a way that they might not be able to because they're already going there for sales. Right. So we're looking at who's running the trade show. Do they have a podcast? Can I get my client on there? Yeah. Um, and then that's like, I'm getting you right in front of your your audience at at once, right? All the trade show attendees. So that's just one kind of low level example, honestly, because a real sales, you know, thought would just be really directly contacting somebody who actually runs a podcast that is somebody you actually want to sell to. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's how you know, I mentioned you have a separate company. We produce podcasts for brands. So we're, Amy, you and I are in lockstep on this. And it's great to share those messages. And this, getting back to the SEO part, absolutely, you know, you know that Google is now organically putting on it you know, podcasts and their search results, the results under the bar of the Google podcast bar. And then what's interesting too, if you look at the advertising side now, what a lot of, you know, advertising platforms are doing like there's Acast and Spotify, which is they're doing programmatic podcasting. They'll target things by, um, you know, uh, contextual targeting, right? So they're actually looking, <laughs> going through a transcripts of podcasts and targeting words for advertisers to target. So even if you're not advertising, that's going to help the SEO kind of universe with podcasts. So that's becoming more prevalent. It, uh, it's really pretty new. So I think that this has a great long tail for podcasts too. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And the last thing I would say is typically podcasts are run by marketing minded people. Mm. So there's a lot with that, which is you know, these people are not, you know, if you have a nervous leader doing one, they're not going to throw you under the bus. They probably, yeah. A, might want you as a client um, or B, they just get it. They're not going to throw you under the bus. Right. Um, and, and if you make a mistake, they'll go back and possibly edit it out if you want. And then on, on the maximizing type side, they're also ideally sharing it on social media. And there's an online component to it. They're mm-hmm. all housed online. So then there's your SEO value. Yeah. How do you see that? Like I, you know, I definitely don't consider myself a journalist or anything like that. And I do the same. Like if, you know, I do some light editing or editing for folks. They don't say, Hey, can you take that out? Of course. But when you look at like a a true journalist, they're not going to do that necessarily. That's not their job. And I respect that. And, um, so 
there is, I don't, I guess I'm curious how <laughs> real journalists who have their podcast look at folks, maybe like, you know, honestly, me and you and the ecosystem of we're doing this uh, for maybe different reasons. We want to shine a light on companies. We're not necessarily looking to get any kind of gotcha questions. Um, so I don't know if that, uh, it makes sense when I talk about that, the tension between journalists and then other folks in the, the landscape that are doing podcasts or video series. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. I mean, so there's so much to talk about with that, though. <laughs> I do want to kind of clarify about the gotcha questions and even the Portland Business Journal, because as I was speaking, the Portland Business Journal is actually not going to throw people under the bus because mm -hmm. they're also business people. <laughs> like, right, do you understand? Right. So yeah. it's not that one. It's there's some other outliers that we have to be careful about, I'll just say. So mm -hmm. when I say anyway, so I've always kind of told clients that one's fine because they also want your advertising money. Like, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you'll be fine. But you know, let's practice our talking points. But then maybe there's another one that's like operated down the street that I might say, please don't do that interview. Let's mm -hmm. just not. Okay. You might know, you know what that might be. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in terms of the, if there is tension between reporters and marketers, I mean, it is what it is, but there's, I just, I feel that reporters are in a hard place right now because they have to do everything. Yeah. Right. And, the, and essentially they're positioned where they have to kind of do what we're doing which is, you know, we have our own client kind of service, which is the middle of our job, let's say, mm -hmm. if we're building a house, like that's the foundation. But then we have these side things that we do, which is podcasts and videos and social and all this. And, and we're marketers. So we're kind of used to that. Mm -hmm. But now they're supposed to do that because yeah. they are actually poised with getting eyeballs on their coverage. So like they want clickable headlines and this and that. And so these people that are traditionally trained are now needing to do videos too. And so I'll just say, I think that there's probably more camaraderie with us and them now because hmm. maybe they understand that, every, you know, everything we have to do. And then I will say, you know, to my, I'll just say, okay. So I do have some younger staff that we get, ner let's just say we get nervous when we call the press. Yeah. Well, let me just tell everybody that the press at this point wants our jobs. We are mm -hmm. the more coveted jobs right now, not necessarily because of pay, but that's one thing. But stability is, mm -hmm. is key. And it's, it must be very nerve wracking to be a journalist in what might be considered a sinking ship. Yeah. I mean, I have the utmost respect. Uh, I used to work at the Oregonian for a brief period. I was on the business side, not the, the news side, but I got to interact with a lot of the folks there, uh, this is a quick tangent, Amy. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. I grew up in Oregon. And so obviously they're someone like that. They're a media organization of kind of record. And like the passion some of these journalists have and like the real um, integrity, I was really impressed with. And so I, I'm championing all those folks on, but it is a freaking hard business to be in right now. Incredibly yeah. difficult. And so I, I am. Um, I appreciate you kind of addressing that and how there is some more camaraderie than I, I might uh, I might think after you talked about that. So that's, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, whenever we get press, you know, we ask press to come on our podcast. That's kind of an immediate yes, because I do think that they're all yeah. wanting just to keep their options open. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for talking through just kind of narrowed it down a podcast for a bit. A, a few other things I would love to to cover is just running your own business. I love talking to people who are, you know, hey, you got a team. How is, and you, you talked about a little bit when we first started recording of just like the uh, type of workforce you're uh, bringing on now and how f- the flexibility of that. So how's that maybe evolved and just, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. since you started this 14 yeah. years ago. Well, again, so much to say, but mm-hmm. I do, I had this revelation that I, the most important, my most important job description is finding staff. And even if I don't have the clients, you know, let's just say this is 10 years ago and I would have, didn't have as many clients to hold the, the need for staff, but anytime a new client would come, that's a problem because I cannot deliver the way I want to deliver without key staff. And then I started hiring, you know, a full-time person or a um, contractor, this and that. And it just, it was not working. I just, meaning I kind of have specifics on how I do what I do, especially in the media relations realm. And I look at things kind of as systems and steps to follow. And it just was, they couldn't do it. And it's not that I'm a micromanager. It's just, it wasn't working. So I started my podcast called PR Talk. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, because you think, why are you doing this? This is, I've been doing my podcast for four years. Awesome. So, you know, after a while you're thinking, this is not, I don't know. It's it's hard to maintain that. Now it's just getting me out in front of PR people, right? Yeah. That I might need to hire. And yeah, it's sponsored yeah. actually by the PRSA of Oregon, which is a really honor to me that yeah. they would even consider, you know, sponsoring it and putting it on their website and marketing it. And so we're building, you know, an audience among our peers, which is PR people. Because that's my most important audience. I need those people to then fulfill for you, client, right? Yeah. And now I'm getting to the point in my career where I'm seeing they're better than me, right? Like they know their stuff, especially people who have come out of college recently that have more digital experience because digital is always changing. So now that that's, you know, literally a major, it wasn't when I was there. So the podcast is key. And then what I did was I wrote my book, which was very helpful in training people. So my book isn't like it in a way it was kind of an ego project. Oh, but it's called A Modern Guide to Public Relations. It was like, oh, I want to write a book. Like, oh, what do you want to write about? Well, they say write about what you know. Sure. So I started this book. And I realized and it is so detailed and so annoying. Like when I was reading through the edits, it's like Amy, you are really particular about how you do this. And that must be really annoying for people. But (laughs) we have good results, right? It's all about results. So then I, okay, so I wrote that book. Then I hired someone and she read the book and she watched all the videos. I did 60 videos to go with the book to explain it. Because that's how I roll. Uh, And then she starts coming to meetings like, with really good questions that I'm like, oh, she gets it. And I'm thinking, does she have PR experience? And not really. And it's like, oh, wait, Amy, she read your book and paid attention and watched the videos. It's like this to me, it's like revolutionary. I did all my training literally over COVID, like during COVID. Yeah. And now I, I might not really have to do so much. I just did the basic training. I didn't even think about 
that I, I mean, that strategy is almost like a employer branding like recruitment strategy. And now it dovetails into, Hey, this is actually when you're onboarding, maybe someone on your team yeah, and they can help them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's full on like steps, like do this. Yeah. If that, if that, cause PR is kind of, if this, then that is how I approach it. Cause it is really nebulous. And so mm-hmm. how do you, when we put rules around things, it makes people feel comfortable. So we have little rules like, you know, we only follow up twice. And then after that, then we have to change what we're doing. It doesn't mean we drop it. But, mm-hmm. and so I, now when we have problems in PR, which is PR is all about problems, <laughs> my people have an issue like, oh, we're not getting this story or this person is asking a weird question. What do we do? We, I always just kind of go back to, well, what did you already do? What has been done? And not in a negative way. It's just like what has been done so we can assess what to do in the future. And that's basically all I do now. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I love to talk about Portland. I mean, you're from here. You run your business here. I think um, there's no, um, no secret that maybe, you know, Portland's gotten some, whether warranted or not, uh, some (laughs) it's <laughs> a mm-hmm. bad reputation. Um, and I don't know how that's impacting the, the business community other than things we know, just people maybe not going downtown as much for if they used to work downtown. So if you don't mind just sharing your thoughts, I'm super optimistic on Portland and the metro area in general. Uh, I've always been an optimism uh, optimist, but I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on it too. Yeah. Well, just a few thoughts about Portland and just kind of writing. It's like, what do you see? The signs or writing in the sky? I don't know. Not to say I just know everything and I'm really good at forecasting because I was originally saying that um, somewhere else about everybody wanting to go contract, contract workers. It's like, yeah, yeah, I knew that was going to come like 10 years ago. People don't want to sit in an office. And so we were lucky we already had contractors. But with Portland, it already felt so when you're really from here, you really understand the neighborhoods and the, the, there's like the downtown core and what downtown actually used to be, um, just geographically. And some people that aren't from here kind of speak in different ways, considering downtown to be on the other side of the river, even mm-hmm. it's like, what? Well, that's confusing. So for me, the actual pulse, the feel of the fun, cool downtown already had moved over onto the other side of the river, mm-hmm. meaning on the east side. So mm-hmm. it was already over there. And because if you look at where all the cool restaurants are and where the fun people are going out, you know, to bars and all this, it was already on the east side, maybe closer in. And then for a while, we can kind of follow real estate trends as well right. um, in terms of residential. And you can see sometimes the housing values are even a little bit more on the east side as compared to the west side, depending, right? And so that trend was already there. And now, and just, let me, I'll just say this. I, people, people it, downtown was already kind of boring, okay? It wasn't <laughs> cool. There wasn't a fun vibe in terms of going out at night or uh-huh. the restaurants, basically. And so now with downtown, the way it is kind of, you know, it's getting better. It's just kind of a ghost town still. They've cleaned it up, I'll just say, compared to inner southeast. But, you know, if you look at other big cities, 
the cool part of LA is not downtown. Right. Right. So, and it all, it, nothing happened. It just like nothing bad happened downtown possibly. It's just always was like that. You just didn't go downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And I just think our city was already shifting in terms of where people want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to just kind of highlight that there are now homeless camps down on the Southeast inner city side that don't feel good. Like they mm-hmm. don't, you know, where I'm, used what you know i'm from portland we're used to seeing homeless people but these like uh, the camps are literally spilling into the streets Mm -hmm. and so driving in the street you feel uncomfortable like you might have to literally back out of the street to go a different way because you cannot get through the street Mm -hmm. um and so the cleanup of downtown has occurred because you don't really see that actually as much anymore Mm -hmm. but when you drive on the so where is it going right (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I think with the new, you know, new people in leadership, maybe things will actually change so so that there's actually a solution because it's just continuous. It's just continuously moving. But then the kind of the old pulse of downtown and the just not even the livability, but the literal workability. So like Mm -hmm. I used to work downtown for my first few jobs out of college and I felt really cool and adult. And I had, it it was like a vibing place to go during the day. Maybe we'd go out on the east side, but now it, 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 I guess it's depressing now. Like I, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 same thing for me. It's funny. When I first moved to Portland, I worked downtown. I felt like so professional. I was young. Um, but it is when you realize it's very much driven by office workers in a lot of ways during the day anyway. So Mm -hmm. that is a little, difficult to kind of see when I go down there during the day. Now it is maybe some of that vibrancy is not there. But one thing I guess we downtown has going for in Portland is very, very central to the metro area. So that mm-hmm. is, um, you know, just when it's pure location, it, it's always going to be probably a, a hub in, in terms of that. But yeah, who knows? And yeah. it all depends with work, you know, how people work and how that's continuing to shift. So yeah, well, I guess who, who knows? <laughs> I mean, the one thing I would say is downtown is small compared to, you know, LA yeah. downtown, yeah. Um, possibly not that I really know LA, but it's a small mm-hmm. area. So there, there is a way that it could easily have a good, you know, daytime vibe, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and and used to be charming and maybe there's still pockets. And so having it so small, it's a little bit more approachable for it to come back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is how I'm yeah, envisioning it. I think that's a positive way to say that it's, it's always going to be hopefully, uh, just a pulse of, of things and it's changing, but you know, I appreciate you sharing that, especially for, uh, as someone that's from here which are mm-hmm. sometimes rare, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So, um, Amy, where can people find, you know, about veracity, your, your podcast and, and maybe, uh, your book as well. I'd love for you to share that. Sure. The last thing I just want to say though, that yeah. a way to kind of uplift this conversation. And I thought this was very heartwarming was the other day I was just driving down the street and, you know, there's tents outside in Southeast where I live. And, um, one after the other, like maybe a mile apart, the women were not influencing each other because they were about a mile apart. There was there were women outside their tents sweeping the ground to clean up in front of their tents. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very how heartwarming and wonderful. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. so I thought, you know, they're respecting their space um, and Portland by doing that. So anyway, my website is veracityagency.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Amy Rosenberg and follow me there. And I have a newsletter you could subscribe to that talks more about work-life flow and issues there. And um, the book is available wherever you get books. Like <laughs> it's all online, Amazon, all that. Awesome. Well, Amy, thanks for uh, indulging me to, about podcasting and you know all things marketing. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. Thank you.